One of the most important, far-reaching, sophisticated, and glamorous endeavors of the computer field is on twos. It reaches into the major areas of input, output, programming, and debugging. From whence came this powerful podcast? What is it? What is its future? Answers to these questions are included in the scope of this program. It divides the podcast into two main divisions, Will and Hadrick. This podcast considers the history of all major groups of computer graphics, a discussion of the typical hardware of each, and a section on computer-aided design, as well as one on the computer graphics and professional groups and societies. In the appendices are a comprehensive glossary of computer graphics terminology and a bibliography of over 650 other podcasts. Wow. So, um, that, that many, that many, I hope you're ready to um, do show notes this week. Well, no, you're doing the show notes. <laughs> I always do the show notes. That's you. I say, I send you one song title. Yeah. One, one, uh, creative commons license title. <laughs> do you read the show too notes? Well, lazy. Yeah. Excellent. What do you think about them? I enjoy them. That's great. You know, listeners and comment about how much you enjoy the show notes. Yeah, let us know what you think about the show notes, and we'll shout you out in the next show notes. Honestly, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome back, everybody. Um, this is the fourth and likely final for a little bit, at least, um, until we um, delve into a. Uh, until this whole metaverse thing shakes out. Yeah, I was going to say like a post future or something. Yeah, some like cyberpunk bullshit. Yeah, but um, the history as it stands, um, uh, episodes on the history of animation. Um, so uh, last week we went through the sort of introduction into um, computer animation, the very early years. This is before it was being really used for anything commercial, except for the one, the only. I was waiting. I was hoping you would. Hmm. Which are, oh, the Scanimatic. Thank you. Yeah, the, the Scanimate. Scanimate. Um, yeah. God, we fucking love that I'm thing. I'm obsessed with the we, Scanimate. We have both looked up how to potentially make one. How to emulate it. How, to, how to recreate this yeah. in any form. Spoilers. How, how do I get this? Ain't shit out there. It, it also, like, God, it just clarified to me, like, oh, why do I love so many specific like there was an anime that just came out called yeah. uh fucking uh dancing hero minute king mm. and immediately i was able to be like no i like this because half the shit on here looks like scanimate that <sighs> that is what they are doing it all makes sense yeah um well, we're not going to talk about Scanimate anymore because we already spent 35 minutes on it. Um, oh, I thought I thought we were a Scanimate podcast now. You watch yourself because I'll do it. There's enough content out there that we well, use Welcome Scanimate. to Scanimania. <laughs> Where we still can't talk about video games. Right. <laughs> so, um, well, we should, we should get rid of the video game ban for at least it's impossible to talk about 3d animation without talking about video games i i I managed to be pretty restrained there is some in here for sure 
Um, but I, I tried to be pretty restrained and tried to focus. So there's a lot of history out there, but a lot of it focuses on like CGI as it is used in major motion picture. Um, so like the developments mm. of, of animation, but it's like, you know, a very, very, very narrow field of animation of just like making shit look photorealistic. And to be honest, like I'm not super interested in going into that, um, uh, at least on this podcast, because there's a ton of information out there. A lot of it is like, this time they made the face look a little bit more like a face. This time well, and, they made the face morph. Like, <laughs> also, like if we're going at after the like photorealism thing, yeah. then what what are we talking about? Like fucking Final Fantasy Spirits Within, uh, like that it's type on of the, shit. It's on my list. Don't you fucking worry. But it is not going to be the major focus of my um uh of of this sort of trek down down the animation lane or whatever you want to refer to it as. Um, there's a couple things that I want to, that I want to talk about right at the beginning that I don't remember if I talked about in the last episode, to be honest. So, um, if you just okay. listen to this one, but, um, was one of them, the scanimate. No, I not... don't remember if we discussed that <laughs> thoroughly in the last episode. God, It's um... like a synthesizer. <laughs> the first one I want to talk about is, uh, the Apteryx and the Easter bunny. Um, this is a, an animation that I sent to you um, that I, I yeah, yeah, genuinely yeah. can't remember if I brought it up in the last one. But this is the first color 2D computer animation. So this is done in 1970. Um, it looks like complete shit. It is just oh, awful yeah, absolutely. to listen to. It's awful to look at. Um, it is worse than every other piece of 2D animation that's ever happened. Um, it's, it's well below like even the worst new grounds quality it's pure aside from trash. like i don't know the content isn't entirely objectionable <laughs> it's still like not good content wise either yeah um, it's just like i'm an after x i'm the easter buddy but it's the okay, first one here's some so eggs, bye. that's what history is stuck with now so i wish they yeah. had like um i don't know been a little bit more conscientious about what they were pushing it into history um, it was made by Animac Movements, a company that I can't find like any information about. Um, but it's it's interesting because a lot of the stuff that goes into this is, um, or like goes into the advancements of things, are like basically tech demos. Um, even stuff that is like more traditional animation, most of the stuff that is like truly groundbreaking is a tech demo. And this doesn't seem to be. This seems to be like something that somebody output commercially. Um, even though well, it's this, trash. it looks like. And and tell me if I'm wrong here, but it looks like what they did was take traditional 2D animation and then just like morph the mouths around a little bit rather than doing lip flaps. Um, so, yeah, not just that, but also like any of the like duplication effects. So um, there's like, oh, sure. Squashing and stretching of them as they like, uh, like slow down or speed up. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, they that mouth movements are like sort of squishing around and things like that as opposed to, um, and then you can see at one point the, the apteryx is talking and they're basically transforming it with a sine wave in order to, um, to get it to talk, right. to animate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, it was made in real time. That's This is another interesting feature about it. And this is sort of oh, all right. true with the scanimate too, is that it, it wasn't, you know, put into a processing engine, rendered out, and then eventually you got a final product out of it. This was made in real time and captured. Um, uh, 
moving on from that, because I don't want to talk about this fucking garbage anymore. Um, we mm-hmm. we talked about metadata before, um, but just to reiterate, so that would be live animation differentiating from keyframe animation. So metadata um, in 1971 was the first computer keyframe animation. And um, uh, we talked about that a little bit, but just to, to refresh, the differentiator here is that keyframes are I'm sequencing a bunch of stuff and then rendering it to an output, um, whereas uh, the live stuff is all like I'm just like tweaking some knobs and some electrical things are happening and it is technically yeah. being animated. So like, you know, using a synthesizer mm-hmm. or, as opposed to just making beats on your computer. That's um, the perfect analogy. Thank you. <laughs> um, the the uh, the key, the keyframe animation is much closer to like traditional hand drawn animation. The things that we think of. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like traditional music where you make beats on your computer. Well, you're, 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 um, you're going to need to stretch metaphor. those analogies a little bit further. It's a good <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> this is what happens when you have to sit with a notary for an hour before recording. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't remember if I talked about this either, but, um, Westworld is the first time that digital animation was used in a full feature film. Um, uh, We're like talking all the, like, the laser guns and yeah, um, it's the the first time that computer graphics and live action were blended together in any format. Um, and then we have um, this so, like oh god, god that was like late seventies, early eighties, seventy three. So we're still wow. we're still super early, yeah. I still um, need to check that out. I Just want out to watch curiosity. it too. I haven't seen I haven't the, the new Westworld either. I like the first season of of the new one, um, but it I like the idea of cowboys, but it's sci-fi. I like cowboys. Yeah, and sci-fi. Um, do you have a preference between cowboys and aliens? I'd take aliens pretty much any time. Yeah, depends on the aliens. I guess aliens have a lot of variety between them. Yeah. I also didn't see that movie. Who would? Jesus. Is uh, that Woody Harrelson? I don't know. I The comic was coming out like at a time when I was reading a lot of comics, and yeah. I was just like, eh, no thank you. <laughs> um, the, the next thing that I want to talk about is this like third branch of computer animation. So we have Keyframe. We have hand manipulated, like electronic, like synthesizer based animation. And then we have procedural animation. Um, and what procedural animation is, is you program a program to render a thing. So instead of um, uh, hand drawing or hand moving each of the segments or using computer programming tools to manipulate um, images on a computer, this is saying based on this math or based on. Um, uh, this math plus this art, I want you to produce an outcome for me. And that can happen like now it's super fast. Back in the day, this must have been much, much slower than um, uh, than like doing it by hand. But oh, computers definitely. are were able to take code as the input and output animation. Um, so the... The first time that this was used was Anima 2. Um, it's an animation system. 
animation system meaning like as just like a series of animations used to show this off um it was directed by charles susri um and it basically was a bunch of animal models that were then given (laughs) math to animate and to move themselves um it is like the ancient predecessor of things like toy story where you have polygons that have math applied to them that end up with an animation yeah well and to put in context how expensive this was back in the day oh god like (laughs) this there are a lot of movies like um the one that i know a hundred percent that they did it on was escape from new york Mm. where and that's 1981 uh, there's a shot where Snake Plissken is like flying into New York and they have this like wireframe thing yeah. of New York. They couldn't afford to get that computer animated. It was more cost effective to make miniatures and put lights <laughs> oh all around them and just film the miniatures. Yeah, just like truly insanely prohibitively expensive. Like, yeah, the simplest sequence you could possibly imagine a duck like, a, you know, a, what we'd consider today to be a low poly duck. It's got maybe, you know, 40 polygons that make up the whole model doing a little waddle probably took multiple days to render. Yeah. And you like mess up anything. You got to restart the whole thing. And that's for like a three second sequence It's just and the computers are what you imagine old computers to be. Um, uh, from here, I'm going to start getting into, there's a lot of these like, um, advancements in techniques that are still used today. And so I wanted to like go through, um, and spend a little bit of time on what each of them are. So like, um, in, uh, in 1979, you have a, like a, somewhere between a tech demo and a, like a little short film called complete angler. Um, and it is That's the first a tech time demo, that man. it's, it's a tech <laughs> like, demo. That's... That's not a, there's no story here. <laughs> That's a ball that goes around a transparent ball. I have seen things that have pretended to be um, more like short films produced by student artists with less story than this. But yes, it's a tech demo. Yeah. Um, and this is the first time that ray tracing is used. Um so ray tracing, what that refers to is it's a rendering technique that generates an image by taking a, um, a predicted path that you are interpreting as light and then rendering that out as pixels. Um, it is essentially trying to make a very simplified version of how light bounces and reflects and projects in our own reality. Um, it ends up with a very high degree of virtual realism, um, cause you can, simulate like bends through glass um this in this case it's like a bubble that is rotating around a sphere and you can simulate you can see very clearly that you're getting some of the like refraction and diffraction that Mm -hmm. you would expect from light um in real life well and there's like yeah you can see like some amount of subsurface diffusion and stuff like Mm -hmm. that happening on here and subsurface diffusion meaning you have like multiple layers and you're seeing light scatter as it hits a a surface yeah yeah well it yeah it's kind of like when you um when you put a light up behind your hand and you can see the light through it yeah 
exactly. Um, the and then we have the um, the first combination of 3D computer animation and live action, which is Tron. Um, so we've now arrived at 1982, Ooh. and we have very, Jeff very simple on the scene. Jeff Bridges finally makes his his debut into his debut into our podcast. Is that true? I don't think Jeff Bridges has been in any of the. <laughs> we have watched some garbage. Were you, yeah, were you under the impression he was one of the Mighty Ducks or something? I mean, you never like... fucking know. I mean, what's his name? Uh, what was the guy I was really surprised by? Who ended up being a voice actor in a bunch of stuff? He's um. The only thing I can remember him, he's like, uh, you know, the classic mobster actor. Ron Perlman. When Ron Perlman was in fucking everything. Oh, yeah. I was surprised. Yeah, he's the fucking striker. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, you never know. You never know when when a Jeff Bridges is going to show up. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, dude was an R.I.P.D., you know. he's in, He's been in some bad fucking movies. Yeah. I, I didn't see that one. It seemed not good <laughs> what do you think is the first animated feature that um jeff bridges was in oh god at open season i don't know is he an open season i'm just guessing <laughs> a lot of people are in open season just yeah like it had a really wide really deep cast for no fucking reason because that movie bombed Okay, I've got your answer. Um, the first thing that he was in was oh, The Last Oh, no, it's unicorn. The Fox and the Hound. Yeah. Or, uh, wait, no, the I'm being dumb. The Last Unicorn was 1982. The Last Unicorn? Jeez. Yeah. No, I, Prince I was Lear. mixing him up with Kurt Russell. Who Classic mistake. The Fox and the Hound. But, yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Last Unicorn. Okay. Yeah. This is, yeah, Rankin-Bass production. Do you know if it's any good? I've heard very good things. It was also on the list from which I found a few things that we wound up not doing for mm -hmm. Halloween. Maybe we should have uh, done of those. Of like scariest cartoons ever. Really? Huh. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's so much like actually scary as like my pants off. Yeah, shit that'll scare children. Yeah. But it is one that I'm interested in watching. I def I like the song from it. <laughs> and that's all that we need to watch something. Yeah. Um, so this is the first like fully extensive use of 3D CGI. This is fully 15 minutes of uh, computer generated CGI. Um, and this is the famous light cycle sequence. So this is, um, uh, you're, I don't even need to describe it. You're probably all familiar with it. If not, just, just Google Tron light cycle Tron have your mind light cycle. Blown. Yeah. Um uh let's see here. Uh this is a sequence that I'm I was familiar with before doing some research on it, but the young Sherlock Holmes in nineteen eighty five is the first like CGI character. Um huh. and in a live background, but a fully realistic CGI character. This is like the dude looking at a stained glass window and in it like shatters and reforms into a night it looks like garbage but hey it always does it mm. first yeah um and uh, then it takes a long time before cgi mixed with 
um, live action practical looks effects. anything good. Yeah. Like even going into the tr- into the two thousands, that was something I was it, really surprised by. Is that I needed to like, I expected to be able to stop at the two thousands and be like, "That's modern history." Nobody, nobody needs to know much about that. But there's a lot of like, pretty massive changes. Um, oh yeah, that happened even in recent years. Oh, I skipped over. Um, in nineteen eighty three, the the full the first usage of three D computer animation in a fully animated film was the 1983 movie Golgo 13, The Professional. Um, uh, which I want to watch sometime because it looks very interesting. It's a... And, and, oh, sorry, oh, I misspoke. This, this is right. the, the first time it was used in an anime. Um, when 3D animation is used in an anime. But it huh. looks absolutely buck wild. Yeah, this looks dope. Yeah. There's it, some there's some helicopters. You got a big guy, you got some lady. A military force led by Lieutenant Bob Bragan attempts to ambush Golgo while he's in the middle of assignment on a wealthy Holocaust uh from a wealthy Holocaust survival in San Francisco to assassinate an ex Nazi <laughs> official. What a Wait. sentence. Uh mm, I'm trying to Holocaust survival? Uh, a Holocaust Ex- survivor. Holocaust survivor gave okay. our main character an assignment to kill an ex-Nazi. Once a Nazi, always a Nazi. Oh, all right. That's a good plan. Yeah, that's a good plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the this the horrifying short film that I send you, and your your response to it was, "I think I like this more than I should." And this is, um, oh, at the time, no, I, I really like, I enjoyed that <laughs> quite a bit. So this is Tony de Pelletrie, P-E-L-T-R-I-E. It is a, it is a French film or sorry, it's a French Canadian film. Um, it's a computer animated short film ah. and it's the first ever to show an animated human character express emotion. So like express emotion through speech, um, with like facial expressions, body movements, um, mouth moving uh and um this is yeah it's super surreal it's it's, super strange yeah like dude he doesn't look human like he looks like a weird fucking cartoon character but it did try to be human yeah and that's like that rules honestly it's kind of succeeded in a way like It they were showing emotion. It's just a dude sitting at a piano. Yeah. Um, John Lasseter, the director of Cars, Toy Story, Toy Story Two, Bugs Life, and among many other things, was the creative director for Kingdom Hearts Three. Um, a quote about it said: "Years from now, uh, Tony will be looked upon as the landmark piece where real fleshy characters were first animated by a computer." Uh, yeah, that tracks. Quote. George um, Boshrikov, who is responsible for the special effects in The Matrix, said, Without soft image 3D and mental ray, specifically those phenomenal bullet time backgrounds just wouldn't have been possible. Um, and, man, every, every, everything in computers, especially in computers, also in animation, but especially in computers, is just like these tiny little iterations of people trying truly wild shit at the time. Oh yeah. Um, 
Well, and it's it's interesting because when you're talking about CGI like this, then you're going to have so many different um, films that you can talk like just every single Marvel movie, like all of these things all have CGI. Whereas, you know, when I'm talking about cell animation, then it's like, well, I could tell you about a fucking cool world and who framed Roger Rabbit (laughs) and like a couple others like that. But it, it doesn't become ubiquitous in the industry to the extent that this is. Exactly. Um, Speaking of cell shading, that brings us to, in 1986, The Great Mouse Detective came out, which is the first cell shaded animation. Um, So cell shading, uh, as you alluded to, is a type of like rendering. So when you have rendering pipelines, you are always telling the computer, based on these models, how do you want me to make these things look? And so a lot of the time when you think of that, you think of like photorealistic or like having a specific style to it. What cell animation does, it's a a way to tell your computer to render something much closer to how a traditional cell would be animated. So, or a, um, a traditional two-dimensional drawing would be animated where it has hard lines to the edges that are then filled in with color. Um, it's, you know, basically a lot of Disney movies, anything that you think of where it's a 2D animation, it's like trying to replicate that style. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't realize that that was happening that early into like, I don't know, Clements and Musker stuff. Yeah, totally. And when you go back and watch like the the trailer for it or like, you know, any of the animation from it, it becomes very clear the style of it is like Go ba- go back and watch Radigan's song specifically. I've never heard of this. Is the one, uh it's the villain song. Oh, villains, oh sure. I can't Disney you villains his name. always get the best. Radigan. Yeah, he's a rat. I think. Um, but uh, going back and watching it, you're like, oh yeah, everything's got an outline, and you can kind of see the very simple 3D models, and like everything is being like squashed back down to two dimensions is a way to describe it. Um, so anyway, that's, that's 1986. Huh. That's kind of a big deal. Um, and then, uh, going back to some of the, the procedural stuff, we start to get simulations. Um, so beach chair in 1986 is long, along with flags and waves were two computer, um, uh, tech demos that were used to sh- showcase, um, water interactions and cloth simulations respectively. Um, I don't have much to say about them other than it's like the start down the path, um, that brings us to uh what's it's what's it what's it named um the that short splinter that cell everybody watched I don't know. Um, uh, jerry's game did you watch jerry's game the the chess so. short that played i think it played in front of um the incredibles oh in that case then i definitely saw it but i don't recall it specifically yeah but it and, and then like all the way to video games that we don't talk about where cloth simulation is like a huge industry in and of itself. Like just figuring out how cloth works and likewise figuring out how water works and taking that, being able to build information and get a, a thing that looks like the actual materials that it's trying to be is an industry all on its own by itself. Oh, yeah. Um, 
right around this time is when the GIF is invented. Um, so GIFs or GIFs, whatever the fuck you want to do, I don't give a shit, is a... Um, don't care. Uh, a bitmap No one cares. Format. No one should care. <laughs> and yet. And yet, and yet because do. we live in the age of technology. So in, in June 15th, 1987, Steve Willite, um, an American computer scientist who worked at CompuServe, um, alongside, I assume, a, a team of very, um, uh, very powerful people, uh, made this image format that meant that people could distribute animations, um, on like through multiple computers. Uh, it has since then obviously exploded in popularity and become like way beyond what it probably should have been. This like really outdated format, um, it supports up to eight bits per pixel per image, um, which allows a single image to reference its own palette of up to 256 different colors. This is why sometimes when you look at a GIF or a GIF, it um, seems like the color space has been smashed. Like, huh. um, it's because each image can only each individual image that makes up the GIF can only contain so much, so many colors, um, and so sometimes they need to share or swap or remanage colors. Um, Weird. It makes them like oh. really unsuitable for accurate reproductions, but it also makes them really <laughs> small, like and allows you to share. Um, it allows me images. to send small videos of uh, things that happened in KJO to people on a regular basis. Exactly, and which that's is really an matters. anime where people fight each other with their butts. <laughs> Which is what we're all it's, leading towards. Yeah, it's the most MS. important anime for finding GIFs. And, um, oh, I like your strategy of just alternating. Uh, even though most GIFs that you see on the internet these days are just MP4s or whatever. Like, they're not they're not GIFs anymore. Like, Giphy or Jiffy doesn't, or have, doesn't often serve things in GIF format. Because it's just not efficient anymore. Yeah, I was not aware of that. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense. Um, in 1993, you have Still Walking, which is a another tech demo, which is the first time that you have um, like realistic human walking in CGI. Um, let's see here. And then you have Gribui. Why don't I just write Gribui? Gribui. I have to Google this now. What did I do to myself? Grabui is a type of soup that's uh, made in Russia. Uh-huh. It's mostly beets uh, served cold with uh, a shot of vodka. Well, we'll got Ta- it in one, so I don't horrible. even need to... Yeah. Yeah. It's very relevant to 3D animation. Because the oh, here it is. main goal of 3D animation is liquid physics, and they can't quite get the grabui. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not even going to tell you what this actually is. That was better. Oh, cool. All right. Um, the people uh, need to know, though. Uh, I hate the people. Um, grabui <laughs> is a French animation computer studio named after the famous soup, presumably. Um, and SoftImage is a, a computer software that was used for human rendering. So this is, um, we're going all the way to 1994 now, where um, this is the first time that like a full human body has like an advanced full animation and simulation. So this is 
walking, doing complex actions. He's like uh, getting on to like a motorcycle looking thing underwater. Um, and this is the first time that somebody is like, look, we can make a human look like a human, do multiple things, have facial expressions, and for all of, to, all of it to look like even somewhat good. Um, it looks a little bit better than, than like original Tomb Raider. Um, nice. And then this brings us into Reboot, which it sounds like you know a little bit more about Reboot than I do. This is in 1994. This is, at the time, the longest animated film with well, all right. multiple so, episodes. This was a show that, like, I, I rewatched the the one episode that you sent me, which oh, I nice. assume is the pilot episode. Yeah. Um, but it's a show that, like, I know when I was living in Australia, uh, they would air this alongside uh, Transformers Beast Wars, and I watched a lot of a lot of it, and ah. I could I could tell you absolutely nothing about it beyond <laughs> that until I had rewatched this episode. I would have been like, oh yeah, that guy is his hair is real fucking doofy looking. It's funny that you brought up Transformers because uh, having also watched that pilot episode, um, it seemed like a lot of the character writing was repurposed wholesale for the uh, live action Transformers movie released many years later. Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's it's a real weird. It feels like the entire conceit of the show was like, how can we justify how... <laughs> computerized all of this looks and then them just being like well it's a guy who lives inside a computer and he's saving the computer and whenever you play video games you're killing all these fun little monsters they're dead they all die um speaking it's like a city block gets destroyed in this first episode (laughs) because like i don't know dude won a game of pac-man or some shit um speaking of i've got a a list right here of uh weird things that nobody on the show wanted you to know um and uh number one is a cop-out because it's a there's a reboot of reboot happening this year and i don't well yeah shit that was in 2018 whatever right um this no one noticed um there were 30 video games referenced in the original one um okay no cliffhangers were allowed and um it got much darker i do remember that top four things they didn't want you to know i do remember that it like got more serious because like the main character changes costumes at some point and becomes some kind of like i don't know mega guardian some shit well is he are you talking about the dude with the green skin or the dude with the blue skin oh because the blue skin's the main guy yeah like they're two different characters he looks like a character in the whatever 2013 avatar movie yeah <laughs> but um, anyway, I'm yeah. done talking about reboot. We we might have to watch the reboot of reboot or We're something. Probably gonna have to watch the reboot of reboot at some point, or just watch Beast Wars. It seems more fun. It has dinosaurs. It's gonna end up being bad. Is the problem with Beast Wars? Is like I also think I feel like it's gonna be fun, but when we go and watch it, it's gonna suck. 
Yeah, probably. Um, uh, this had advanced human body animation and advanced CGI facial animation. Um, uh, and it like, you know, had full worlds and full characters and the length is, is what made it like really notable. Um, CGI was still a rare novelty in anime at this point, um, all the way through the early nineties. But in 1995, right before toy story, um, is when ghost in the shell came out. Um, this had a very impressive mm. mix of both traditional and computer animation. Um, the 3d effects have not aged as well as the hand-drawn, uh, has for sure. Um, and in 2008, uh, they released like a reanimated version to up the 3d quality a little bit, which is what a lot of people remember. Um, it's I, hard I to find they the had old only version. really done 3d for the vehicles and like those, uh, those spider robot things. Yeah. It's not a ton. Yeah. Um, but this is the, the first time it was used in an anime movie. Um, and then, um, pretty soon after that, uh, TV anime such as, uh, Escaflone and Cowboy Bebop would include full 3D. It's Escaflone. Please. I'm sorry. That's Escaflone. Yeah. Um, would have full 3D background effects in many of their episodes. And this being 1995. Oh, go ahead. In Cowboy Bebop, it's like completely just perfectly integrated. Like, yeah, you hardly even notice. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to Toy Story, which, you know, we could probably do a full episode on Toy Story. It's the full, the first CGI full length feature film. Um, it almost destroyed the company. It is like an amazing marvel of production today um it's also like one of those things that like shrek got like rewritten over and over and over it took four years to make this thing like if you think about going back in time here to 1991 um like the the first advanced cgi human walking hadn't been completed yet is when they started working on this thing um they spent approximately a week for every eight seconds of animation that was done. They used 300 computers to render the final, um, the final film. And then each complete completed shot went into a rendering on a render farm of 117 sun microsystems computers that were chained together that ran 24 seven. And the finished animation emerged in like, in like steady drips of, of content that would just sort of, uh, spill out of this machine that was constant. It's like how Bitcoin <laughs> farm is farms work today. Yeah, except it, you get something of value. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, this obviously had like a tremendous impact on the film industry. Um, so not just the existence of it, but the the software that they used, the the success of it, all of this sort of proved that this could be effective. Um. Yeah, well, because th- that film fucking blew up. Yeah. Like, that was so successful. Just astonishing. Um, the It took another year for the next full, CG, um, full CGI feature-length film to be released, um, and that was Cassiopeia, released in Brazil in 1996, um, which I didn't find much information about. Yeah. Um, 
less successful was, i would assume yeah certainly but it was it was the next one um and then the the first cgi 3d full-length feature film with all human or with humans as all the central um, protagonists is the or personages um so like all the main characters are humans is night of the headless horseman in 1999 huh which um i don't know if you've uh what so the full the full film of it is on youtube we could consider watching it for um halloween except it looks like dog shit so i don't really want to no let me just take a look here <laughs> it reminds me the way that it looks reminds me of those like um early 2000s christian uh like bible scenes oh no i mean this looks like modern christian animation yeah um it looks so bad yeah their cheekbones yeah there's the cheekbones there's the the weird acting yeah I don't know. It it took a long time for a lot of studios to realize that like even attempting to go at photorealism is just a bad idea and you should just stylize everything because otherwise you're going to fall into the uncanny valley and everyone will hate the shit that you make. Yeah. It'll look like this. Um mm-hmm. in 1998 with Ants, we have the first um AI driven animation. Um, AI being artificial intelligence. This is when, um, you have a a set of rules that a computer is attempting to follow and you get generated, but somewhat, um, unexpected sometimes content from it. Um, it's used in games to have like somewhat, uh, to like program the enemies and things like that. But in this case it was used to manage the crowds. Um, so when you have crowds, that makes sense. Um, they instead of hand animating each one um each one is independently has their own ai and then told as a group to sort of manage themselves um and so obviously there's a there's a a ton of like uh, programming that goes into specific management of like okay this is a crowd scene they're all going to be running but they all are are not independently animated and that's the the differentiator yeah, I assume that they use similar stuff to there. The other thing that I would imagine they're using that for is like grass mm-hmm. and stuff like that in this movie. Um, a couple and, other fun and then facts. No one remembers that movie because A Bug's Life came out at the same fucking time. <laughs> exactly. Um, this was actually the the third um, compu- fully computer animated film to be released um, following Cassiopeia. Uh, and it is the first computer animated film to receive a PG rating. Um, and hmm. the uh, this sort of set forth DreamWorks and carried forward and modified them from a 2D studio into a, a 3D studio. Um, and uh, it was also the first feature length animation to be CGI animation to be available on DVD in 1999. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, take that in. Um, I, yeah, in, yeah, in 1999, the first um, 
fully 3D computer animation anime was released um, called Gregory Horror Show. Correct. Um, it is about 25 male businessmen arriving at the, the hot- at a hotel after checking into a train home from work. Uh, at, uh, let's see. There's an old mouse known as Gregory who suggests that he stays a while. Soon the man becomes drawn into a bizarre series of events taking place in Gregory House while he tries to escape this bizarre purgatory. Weird. Yeah, sounds like nonsense. Uh, but, looks um, like it's also a video game. Oh, interesting. On PS2. The anime, oh yeah, the anime came out before the video game. But it oh. felt like watching a first-person video game cutscene minus the interactivity. Huh, weird. That... Um, that tends to happen a lot with anime, especially nowadays with like mobile games and stuff. Yeah, that's um, true. I kind of wonder how much of that integration was going on back then and if this was an intentional thing in that way. Yeah. Um, Speaking of uh, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. This is oh, the boy. first feature-length photorealistic CGI film. Um, so unlike... Toy Story and Ants, etc., that are all very, very stylized. This is the first one that was attempting to imitate photorealism, and um, yeah, it looks I'll like StarCraft determine... two cutscenes. <laughs> Whether like... or not it succeeded at that, but at the time, you know, it's I, astonishing. At, at the time, it was like, yeah, this looks really good, but then also like it, it, it hit that uncanny valley really hard. And yeah. also, the story was just kind of gibberish. Well, and if you compare so. that to, like, Monsters, Inc., that was released later that year, there's just no comparison oh, in terms right. of animation quality. And right. this is the point at which we start to get some, like, really, truly astonishing um, acceleration in the abilities of the technology to um, to produce, like, things that look closer and closer and to, can surpass to monsters. that uncanny reality. Yeah, closer and closer to the monsters we all know and love. Right. And that live Sully in Sully Sullenberger and Mike Wazowski. Everyone's um, favorite monsters. Appleseed was released in 2004. Um, this is the first R-rated um, fully CGI movie. Um, God I want to watch this at I, some point. I fucking have that. I think I have that on DVD. No shit. Oh, my God. And I just haven't watched it ever. <laughs> It kind of looks like Bad Ghost in the Shell, if I'm being honest, but it's still interesting. I'm legit curious. Um, this is also cell shaded animation, but it's the 3D version of it. I, I would say, where um, the cell stylization is just that. It's stylization. It is still very obviously full CGI. Um, uh, from there, we have uh, one more. Um, big first and that is in 2004 is the polar express has the first stereoscopic 3d cgi full-length film so uh, i don't know if y'all remember but this, it was released in red and blue stereoscopic 3d wow <laughs> yeah. yeah um it's apparently it's like a fucking christmas classic for some people they can bear bear to movie. look at tom hanks's face God. repeatedly um and, you know get that song about hot chocolate over and over <laughs> every year. And um, that sort of brings us to the point where 
every major advancement after this is just like uh, water got better you know backgrounds got better um facial mm-hmm. innovation got better um uh we start to have advanced motion capture in our um in movies the first instance of uh facial motion capture was in um computer dreams 2 uh this is a uh, a 1988 just like camera was pointed at a dude and there was this big rig around his head and it captured the <laughs> movements of his face it looks yeah horrible um but it's the first time that facial motion capture is used and there's like continued advancements of that into the 2000s and like every everything that i passed the like early 2000s could be summed up by just like shit got better and shit keeps getting better um well and on top of on top of just the technology getting better, people are getting better at using mm-hmm. the technology. Because now we have, like, you know, Disney's 12 Concepts of Animation. That came out yeah. in, like, the 40s. Um, but they didn't really have the equivalent of that for 3D. Because there is stuff like you can't... Anything that's 3D has to be at least slightly in motion yeah at at least like a little bit otherwise it looks weird as shit and people didn't (laughs) realize that at first um funny that you say that one thing i forgot to mention was the 1989 um short film locomotion um which is the first time that advanced squash and stretch was used on 3d animation Mm -hmm. um so squash and stretch being one of the, the the main ways that um, movement is conveyed or that um, that like feeling of exaggeration is conveyed. It was yeah. the first time it was used on um, full 3D CGI animation. It was a fun little movie about how uh, capitalism is bad and will force you to risk your bodily autonomy for uh, for it's your job. It's actually true. Um, it, was, uh, <laughs> it was created by Pacific Data Images that wouldn't go on to make shrek in madagascar um and uh but yeah as you were saying like the 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 use of the technique there is extremely rudimentary um and people have gotten way way better at manipulating these things and and making them like um convincing in ways that are, are unexpected right and artistic um, and yeah, just making things move around in ways that are more similar to 2D animation, you know, it helps. And yeah. stylizing stuff like that also, like, obviously, it helps. Yeah. And uh, what's becoming more and more interesting are the AI-driven. Um, so th- this is some of the stuff that we've talked about a little bit in... Um, in the context of like frame interpolation, but using it not to like scale up old movies, which nobody should fucking do, but using it as a, a, a tool for the animators to um, speed up production, to lower production costs, um, mm-hmm. which in the end allows them to modify their focus and to, to spend more time on other sections that are. Um, well, and it works better with, 3d animation like this because you can you can just kind of rig up the skeletons of your model and be like okay move from here to here and it will move naturally with arcs and all that yeah 
Um, but what's gotten better are the, the simulations associated with that. So being able to say, okay, I'm going to apply properties to this material and make it act like flesh or make it act like cloth or make it act like um, cloth with wax on top of it. And that stuff has gotten truly amazing and, and continues to get better and better and allow for, you know, anybody with a, a even moderately powerful computer to do things that are well far and beyond what the animators of Toy Story, for example, had access to oh, in yeah. the 1990s. Yep, Blender's free. Blender's free. Um, oh, uh, another thing I forgot to talk about um, was the uh, creation of Adobe Flash. Um, so uh, it was created by Jonathan Gay, um, who uh, was first working like with, uh, first started working in computer science using Apple IIs um, and wrote graphics programs for the Apple IIs using Pascal. And then um, in the... Uh, the mid 1990s, he started um, producing a program that could um, uh, was called Smart Sketch, um, where a user could draw on a computer screen. And um, uh, from there, let's see, it continued to add two dimensional animation features to Smart Sketch, um, hmm. which was eventually um, managed into Macromedia, which bought the rights to future splash animator which was built into um uh smart sketch which after um which was then ported into macromedia flash which became adobe flash after adobe purchased macromedia um and adobe flash was like one of the premier ways for people to export animations um using either keyframe animation or code based um it had a like a lot of very early tools and the other thing was that it was more or less free um yeah it recently died um, yeah unfortunately the, the big death of flash is associated mostly with um some pretty terrible security concerns that come from uh running it and um adobe no longer supported it and so um it basically got killed on every browser in the start of 2021 yeah for the uh, most of the like not the games obviously because yeah. when i think of flash i just think of new grounds yeah like new grounds and mini clip and that type of shit but mostly new grounds where it was like there was so much animation happening there was so much like just independent games being made and that because it was a free software that you could use to do this type of stuff and it had yeah. reasonable animation tools and um we're only really like only in the last like maybe four or five years are we seeing people adopt the other tools that are have been made available to the same degree that flash was but flash was like ubiquitous yeah. Oh, everyone used it. The early 2010s, especially, but the yeah early aughts all the way through the early 2010s, um, and now like the big tool that everybody, um, the the big democratization of of animation is happening through Blender. Um, I mean, we could spend a whole episode just talking about things that are made in Blender, but Blender is 
an astonishing open source piece of software that um, a bunch of my favorite animators use. Uh, yeah, I, and... I've tried using it for um, just film editing, which is yeah. one of the things that it can be used for. It's not that good for that. But... <laughs> it's not that good for that. It is it is one of those tools that is like... It'll do everything, but it doesn't yeah. do all of them perfectly. It doesn't do all of them like with a smooth learning curve. Like right. A bunch of other tools are extremely invested in getting you to, to onboard in them. Um, whereas Blender is extremely invested in being as like compact as possible and as as being as like robust as possible and I, yeah just having as much utility software, as they possibly can yeah um then the thing that is like most relatable to flash i think is the grease pencil um which is an animation tool that is built into blender that allows you to do very similar things to what uh to what flash was doing but through this new software sick anyway that sort of rounds out um the majority of stuff that's worth talking about i think um that i was able to find on animation itself obviously there's a ton of more advancements in in cgi as it relates to motion pictures and as it relates to like you know rent like we could talk about deep fakes we could talk about any of this bullshit but, yeah uh you know there's just all kinds of like even even just like I was watching, I watched Hotel Transylvania lately, although this is <laughs> yeah. uh, probably bad because I mentioned in an upcoming episode that I hadn't seen it yet, but <gasps> you're breaking the time continuity. Yeah. I'm breaking the time continuity, but like, even for that, it was like, yeah, Gendy Tartakovsky had to make, like make a whole bunch of programs that a whole bunch of people have licensed in the meantime. <laughs> Just so that he could get fucking Dracula to dance the way that he wanted to, you know? Yeah, exactly. I know it's astonishing what goes into it and all of the pieces that are necessary for computer animation and how niche they are, so especially that, as things specialize further. Oh, yeah. So that's, yeah, kind of our, our whole four-parter, our whole history of cartoons. And yeah, I hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah, I guess we can kind of finish off with like what we were having a discussion about like what it is specifically that we like about cartoons mm -hmm. as opposed to live action media. And for me, it's um, so there's realism on one side of a scale and then there's formalism on the other side of the scale, which mm. is, you know, the opposite of realism. And <laughs> to for my money, cartoons are always going to be your more extreme forms of formalism mm -hmm. because you can just edit anything that's on screen like anything that's on screen yeah. is something that you made intentionally and it doesn't have to be something based on reality it doesn't have to be like it it doesn't have to conform to anything it can be whatever you want yeah and and that 
you already said it, but I, I think it's worth reinforcing this idea of in animation, everything is a decision. You know, even if you're using computer programs to to generate large scopes of it or things like that, everything is a decision that goes into creating the the output. Whereas, you know, even the most meticulous directors doing the most meticulous work on the most meticulous films are still dealing with um, unchangeable laws of physics, are still dealing with human beings, with flesh mm-hmm. and blood, and, and with, um, with animation. None of those things are true. You can change physics on a whim. You can modify the, the rules that reality plays by. You can even switch between which dimension you are working in. And that is like an astonishing level of control. And um, to see what some people do with that is amazing. Yeah. And um, also, also you don't have budget concerns the same way. Oh like, yeah, it's different. It it works That's so cool. well for sci-fi and stuff like that. Yeah, it's you end like, up with these yeah, very you exploratory just the whole fucking world. Yeah. Um, that said, also I think that people do tend to, uh, not assign as much intentionality to uh, directors as they ought to. Honestly. <laughs> true 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 um yeah i think yeah. we'll wrap it up with that and um if we missed anything if there's anything that you think we we should have covered um shout us out in the comments yeah. and give us a hard time yell it at your i love to learn more things right um, now once again uh i should have said this caveat at the beginning but this is always viewed through a western lens because we are westerners and um, so there's gonna be things that we missed from other yeah. cultures the internet is a very Western construction in hey, a lot of these places where we're looking. We got at least two French Canadian things in here. Those are Western. Well, you know what? <laughs> French. Uh, the French had a lot of um, colonies uh-huh. outside uh-huh. of the West. <laughs> no, wait, we're going somewhere wait, wait. good with this. Okay. And not bad. Um, anyway, so, let me tell you about the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, the, yeah, the, the, the limitations there are obvious. And um, we should, you know, I should have said that at the, at the beginning as a, well, as a we, clarifying yeah, point. Yeah, we but said it at the beginning of, of the first, you know, yeah. episode of these. But yeah, uh, we, we're not students uh, of like any of the like we aren't phds in any of this shit we're idiots we Uh, just you know like this stuff and we hope that you like it too that being said if you have any resources that um you'd like us to share out or you'd like us to process and and put back out there about uh other cultures and their animation let us know hit us up yep give us some freaking feedback how about yeah yeah. Tell, yell at us do whatever you want I'm gonna give you my address um hey, I don't want to cut there yeah next <laughs> next week uh, we start on our October we're doing Monster House bye <laughs>